Welcome to From the Booth, a podcast where we talk about the films playing at BYU's International Cinema. We are now in week eight of our fall 2020 podcast. My name is Marie-Laure Oskerson, Assistant Director of International Cinema, and I am joined here today by Mark Yamada, Co-Director at International Cinema. Hello, Mark. Hello. And Eric Larson, Faculty in the Spanish and Portuguese Department at BYU. Dr. Larson's research focuses on contemporary narrative from Latin America, South America, literature, and Argentina. Welcome, Eric. Well, thank you. Thank you so much. This week, we are discussing Nani Moretti's newest documentary from 2018, Santiago, Italia. Nani Moretti claims that he's not a film director in the traditional sense, but a man who makes a film when he has something to say. So um, let's pay attention to this documentary. This new doc about Chile's political upheaval of the 70s with Pinochet's right-wing authoritarian dictatorship through the thought-provoking viewpoint of the story of the Italian embassy in Santiago, where 250 opponents of the regime found safety against oppression, is the topic of our conversation today. So um, this is not a new thing to have a documentary about the Pinochet years. And we at International Cinema have shown the work of Patricio Guzman in the past. Uh, you might remember Cordillera of Dreams from 2019 that was shown not so long ago. And the Pro Button that was at International Cinema a little bit before. So we have several filmmakers interested in the topic. So what is different about this documentary, Nani Moretti's view of the events? Well, what I would say is really, you know, the central contribution of this is just the story of the Italian embassy during the early days of the Chilean dictatorship under Pinochet. I was I, I was unaware of everything that had uh, transpired. I, I didn't know that all of these, you know, potential political prisoners and, and dissidents, I, I didn't know that they had found kind of refuge in the Italian embassy. And and to me, I, I found it to be a very compelling story. I mean, to hear how they were able to give refuge to these 250 political dissidents and then even, you know, pay to have them taken over to Italy where they were basically given asylum and, and, and a place to live. And I mean, I, I found it to be a very compelling and, and heroic story, a story which is oftentimes a very dark and, and dismal story. I mean, I found it to be a very welcome addition to the narratives that surround the Pinochet dictatorship. Yes, indeed. So one of the critique said that this documentary, and we see it during the documentary, it's not impartial. And we see it during the interview of one of the former military officer in prison. He's, he's paying time for crimes that he's been accused of. And Moretti really keeps a low profile, we can say. He's mm -hmm. behind the camera. We, do, we hardly, I mean, we don't even hear the questions that he asks most of the time. He surely does not comment on anything that his interviewees are saying. Mm -hmm. And there, in the interview with the military officer, he is all of a sudden on the screen and he's saying, I am not impartial because the military officer 
accepted to be interviewed thinking that this was an impartial documentary, but it is not. So how would you respond to someone who says this documentary is not impartial? And it's true that at the beginning we see for 15 minutes, it's like euphoria. Uh, Allende was just elected and there's so much hope in Chile. Is this representing what happened in 1970? How do you, would you answer someone who says there is no intellectual complexity or yes, everything yeah. seems to be on one side? Yeah, well, you know, what I would say is I, I don't think any representation of the past can ever be entirely impartial. I mean, I, I think in general, when we study history, it, it is desirable to to be as impartial as we can. My sense, though, is that, you know, documentary films will always have, you know, a bit of a um, partiality or, you know, I mean, documentary films are, are coming from people with real world experience and they're never going to be entirely impartial. What I found interesting, though, about the general Iturriaga, I believe his name was. That's right. Yes. This idea of, you know, he said, okay, they promised me that it would be impartial. And it's so interesting because as people re-examine the past, a lot of times sympathizers with the dictator, the dictatorial regime, Pinochet, or apologists for Pinochet, they'll say, okay, well, there's two ways to look at this history. I mean, on one hand, I mean, you could sympathize with Allende and say that Pinochet was a villain, or you could sympathize with Pinochet and say that he, you know, he saved the country, that Allende had caused so many problems. I mean, it's almost as if they want to whitewash the past and see it almost like using this idea of impartiality as an excuse for the violence, you know what I mean? Or this impartiality as a, as a way to sort of downplay the violence and sort of say, well, you know, I mean, you, you, you got to look at things in perspective and, and see that, you know, Allende was causing all these problems and that Chile was basically on the brink of a civil war and that the people on the left committed crimes as well. And so, yeah, Sort of this idea of needing to look at the past through an impartial lens. I mean, to me, a lot of the time, it seems like a way to sort of, I don't know, excuse the violence almost, you know. And another thing that people say so often is that, you know, that was another time, as if it's like a time of exception, you know. Oh, yeah, okay. Yes, there were excesses, there were violent crimes were committed and everything, but that was a different time, you know, and, and we just need to sort of focus on the present, you know. I think Nanny Moretti is pretty smart in just saying, I'm not, I'm not impartial, you know. I mean, I, I think we need to look at the past and, and recognize when crimes have been committed, you know. Yeah, that's a really great point, Eric. I'm curious as to how people in this interview or in this video, we're getting a lot of interviews with people who are connected to the event and like you said are are partial and and have strong feelings about it i'm wondering about how allende is viewed and how this incident is viewed nowadays in chile with with kind of more mainstream chileans and is this kind of thing taught in the school and what's the the general sentiment about this time is there a certain nostalgia for it or is there this sense of trauma that surrounds it how do people kind of think about it nowadays 
That's that's a really good question. What I would say is that this continues to be one of the most divisive issues in Chile, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, you can walk into someone's home and see a portrait of Allende. You can see a portrait of Pinochet, not in everyone's home, but it still is one of these issues that, in a sense, divides the people. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, between those who, who sympathize with Pinochet and those who sympathize with Allende, I think for a lot of people, yes, there's a lot of nostalgia, especially for the Allende years. Right. Um, You know, because it's sort of this moment of frustrated utopia, right? It's like it was almost possible and yet it was cut short. I don't know how much nostalgia there is for Pinochet, but I think there's a lot of people who definitely, you know, sympathize with him and see him as, you know, the true savior of the nation, which is interesting because, I mean, Salvador Allende, Salvador means savior. People will say, well, well, Pinochet was sort of the real person to sort of save the nation from the threat of of Marxism. Right. And this idea, actually, that was lost when the regime changed and Pinochet came to power. But this idea that was very much ingrained in most of the people that were interviewed that were refugees and came to Italy, they found it in Italy as well. Their story as refugees is a very much a different story than what we see now on the coast of Europe with the refugees uh, fleeing as well, war and famine and, and other tragedies. There's a couple of diplomats that are interviewed in the documentary. And one of them says people were fleeing, like people flee Africa now from hunger. They would come to see if there was a way to get to Europe and away from there. So all of a sudden that jumping of the, how tall is the wall? Did they say six feet it's a six feet uh, wall around the Italian embassy in Santiago. Uh huh. Yes, I right. Was, I, think was, I think it was higher. I mean, there, there or higher. Right yeah. Uh huh. Yes, they were. So they were jumping above that wall to get to safety for political reasons. They were. The government was looking for them. They were in danger, and then they saw a different kind of refugees, like people who were looking for a better life. At some point, they said that the foreign ministry in Italy was worried and did not want to grant visas because they were afraid that what would happen is what we call now a pull factor. So if we save lives now, then many more people will come and will need help. And that's exactly some some of the people's attitude these days, that if we save people who are, are dying in the Mediterranean Sea, then more will come. So what are your your thoughts about the parallels to the present? What are your thoughts about the displaced refugees seeking asylum in Europe? I mean, to me... As I was watching the movie, I mean, I mean, once again, the first 45 minutes of it were very familiar. I mean, you see you see the story of Allende and Pinochet and you see it in plenty of other documentaries like Patricio Guzman has who's another one of the documentary filmmakers interviewed. I mean, you see it in his The Battle of Chile. The first 45 minutes, I was enjoying it, but I was sort of thinking, okay, well, what is the actual contribution of this film to this story? And then when they started making these references to the refugee crisis in Europe, you know, just in the last few years, that to me was what sort of started to 
stand out as, you know, the political issue that's truly at, that I, I think is probably just as much at stake in this as it is, you know, talking about Allende and Pinochet and, and these Chilean refugees is, you know, sort of the subtle social commentary on what's going on right now, or at least, you know, 2015 to 2019, is this idea of the poll factor, right? How compassionate do we want to be? How many refugees can we actually afford to accommodate, right? Because then they mentioned that idea of the poll factor and the more refugees they accommodate, then, then more continue to come, right? And so I think what he's wanting to really say is, look at what we were able to do in the 1970s and look how heroic this was, right? I mean, it's like you can't watch this documentary without without kind of having that heartwarming sensation and, and sort of like restoring your faith in humanity, right? That Italy had the valor to take in these refugees. And yet at the same time, he's not, I don't think he's patting his country on the back. He's saying, well, what happened? Why are we being so incompassionate and inhospitable with these people fleeing equally dire circumstances in Syria, civil war in Libya, North Africa? You know, I mean, to me, so it's sort of like the what I thought to be the true political content of this film, which I mean, obviously the Chile is as well, but I think this is also the other issue that's very much at stake and sort of the... Um, the, the commentary that he's wanting to make, it's sort of made on a subtle level, you know, in the last almost 15, 20 minutes of the movie, really. Yes, with comments from the refugees who are still living in Italy. They still have ties. They married. Their children are, are there. And when they arrived, they were given money. They were put up in a hotel. They were offered work. And they see things like, I was a refugee who came here without anything I was welcome and Italy let me fit in. Italy gave me everything. So yes, that's that's a huge contrast. Now we could look at numbers and say, yeah, we're talking about a, a small number of people who came in the 70s from Chile. And now we're talking about thousands searching for a safe heaven coming to Europe. But as a looking at, at this force as a positive thing for the economy and the countries instead as a threat. Yeah, I, I agree. You know, I mean, it seems like there's a lot of disenchantment with sort of the trajectory politics has taken, probably in both Chile and Italy since the 1970s. You know, I mean, I think in Italy in the early 1970s, there was probably more of, you know, sort of a progressive a uh, more revolutionary impulse at play. And in Chile, definitely with things happening with Allende prior to the dictatorship, right? And it's sort of like, okay, well, in Chile, we've moved away from dictatorship, we've returned to democracy, and yet our society isn't really that much better, right? I mean, we've sort of sort of moved backwards and we've embraced a kind of consumerism and individualism. And uh, I, I believe it's one of the, the interviewees at the end. I mean, she says it's the same thing in Italy, you know, and I can't really speak to what's gone on in Italy, but I think there's just sort of this general malaise disenchantment with the way politics have played out since these moments of like, you know, utopian fervor. Yeah, you kind of wonder, you know, because the kind of 
communist utopian idealized uh, society wasn't completely realized if there's still this idealization of of communism that you don't see in other places, right? Where you didn't have the chance for it to kind of run its course. And Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And I think also, I mean, if we're talking about Chile, I think Allende really embodies that because, you know, I think there's a lot of nostalgia, but, but I think also, I mean, the fact that his project was cut short, right? you know, and that's, that's the other kind of thing that I was thinking about watching this. The, the appeal of the Chilean story is, is great, right? I, I, I think, uh, you know, the first 45 minutes you're watching it and you kind of feel like you've, you've seen similar documentary films before. But I think there's, I, I don't know, I think there's a lot of appeal right. for a filmmaker like Nanny Moretti to sort of retell the story of Salvador Allende, because he's he's one of these figures that I think just continues to sort of stir that that utopian desire, right. you know, because he you know he was the first socialist elected president, democratically elected. You know, he didn't come through power through a coup, kind of like like Fidel Castro in Cuba, and not only that, but that he was staunchly opposed to using force in order to, you know, to realize the revolution, right? I mean, he was staunchly committed to a peaceful revolution. Yeah. For him, that was that was the Chilean path to socialism. I mean, he said, we're going to celebrate socialism with red wine and empanadas, <laughs> which was totally distinct from, you know, what everyone had seen with Castro, where force was very much a part of the revolution, right? This whole idea that you can't make an omelet without breaking a few eggs. The same with Che Guevara, you know, another sort of ideological engineer of the Cuban revolution who said, who, you know, claimed that violence was, was necessary. Allende was very opposed to that. And, you know, I, I, I don't know. I mean, maybe, maybe that's why the country was sort of on the brink of, of civil war. At the same time, though, I think that's the reason why so many people, you know, there is sort of this compulsory desire to return to Allende, right? Because it it was this moment where it was almost possible. It was cut short. And and it was, you know, it, it was this peaceful desire for revolution. Well, thank you. Thank you both, Eric and Mark, for this discussion on Santiago Italia. Thank you for joining us today on From the Booth. Every week this semester, specialists and film lovers alike discuss the films streaming at IC on our podcast. Please tune in. To get access to the films streaming at IC this semester, please visit our website at ic.byu.edu and follow the link on the splash page to sign up with your current BYU Net ID. Our podcast is produced by the International Cinema Program at BYU and supported by the BYU College of Humanities. We're solely responsible for the opinions and ideas expressed here, as they do not represent any official position adopted by the university or its supporting institutions. As always, we thank our producer, Dewey Walter, and our sound engineer, Jojo Ekstrom Pratt, as well as the staff at the BYU Humanities Resource Center for their help and support. Until next week, keep streaming.